Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Blake Alderman. I'm joined by Thomas Goldcamp. Thomas, we have already covered on the last podcast. We've been leading up to this day for a while. It's uh, the Monday of SEC Media Day. Uh, it's the second year of Dan Mullen representing the Gators uh, up there in Hoover. Um, Thomas, before we dive into little things and this is and that's of the day, kind of talk about the overview of the day. Florida brought, uh, quarterback Felipe Franks, defensive lineman Jabari Zaniga, and uh, running back LaMichael Pirine, obviously with Dan Mullen there. Kind of talk about the overview of just the vibe of what was going on there. Yeah, I thought it was actually a pretty good group. You know, uh, we talked a little bit about being surprised maybe on a guy like Zaniga instead of David Reese. And one of the first things that Dan Mullen said um, was that he likes to bring different guys to SEC media days. And I thought you could tell from the Florida contingent, uh, just listening to them talk, how comfortable they were. It was almost like they had been told to just, you know, this is supposed to be a fun day. Just go have fun. Uh, you know, they all seemed very loose, uh, sounded very loose in all the interviews they did with media. And I, I thought it was just, um, it was kind of a cool start to the season for Florida. You know, a lot of times you go in, you're going to get some tough questions here and there. And, and they certainly did. Dan Mullen started off with, you know, having to deal with some of the negative headlines and all that. But overall, it was very laid back. And I think you, you continue to see Dan Mullen putting his stamp on this team because that's kind of the vibe that he gives off. He's just that cool, calm, confident guy. And I thought all three of the players really kind of reflected that today. From watching the coverage, a lot of the talking points from the guys on SEC Network and whatnot were that it's it's easy to go from four wins to ten wins, just like Florida did this last season. But it's way harder to go from 10 wins to, say, 11 wins or even more. That mm-hmm. was something that also Mullen kind of talked on. Um, I guess, what did he kind of share about that? Because it's obviously a tough task to do that. But Florida definitely has, you know, a lot of pieces that, you know, it's it's possible. Yeah, well, and that was, I think, kind of the focal point for Mullen today. You know, what each coach, when they get up on the big stage, they get to kind of give their their introduction, so to speak, before any questions are asked. And that was something I thought Mullen really harped on, that, you know, the expectation is to do better than the season that Florida had last year, as good as it was and as unexpected as it was in year one. They want to be better. I mean, they want to be winning the SEC East. They want to be competing for an SEC title. They want to be on the Georgia, the Alabama level. Um, But, uh, you know, it was funny. Dan Mullen said that extra one win from 10 to 11 is infinitely harder than, you know, improving from four to 10. There's a lot of places you can improve when you're a four win team, which is what Dan Mullen took over. And obviously you saw those last year. Now, there were still a lot of other things that could be cleaned up. And I think, you know, Dan Mullen's point was that those are the things that do have to get fixed if you want to win that 11th game. Um, You know, Michael Piran, I thought, had a really good answer on that as well. Uh, When he was asked about, you know, the challenge of getting that one extra win, that little bit extra more that gets you in a championship playoff contention type uh, level. And he said, basically, you know, it's communication. It's all the little things. Um, that you can't have a single unit on your team that makes a small mistake because those small mistakes end up being what cost you in a game, um, you know, against some of these better teams. And I thought Florida really, the focus was there. Um, you know, the focus in year one was kind of just on practicing harder, you know, learning how to practice harder than they'd ever practiced before. I think it's pretty clear at this point that the offseason message from Dan Mullen was literally nothing can slip through the cracks. Nothing's too unimportant for us to fix, to clean up. And I think it'll be interesting to see how much that carries over into fall camp. We've mentioned already on on the last podcast that Felipe Franks, from this year to now, it's completely night and day, you know, from Mm -hmm. confidence level, from a lot of things. From really his Achilles 
tendon of his entire time at Florida has been kind of the outside noise from the media. I know that's something that Mullen has kind of worked on with him also. Um, I guess what did you think of how he kind of composed himself there today? I thought he was good. You know, we, we talked about it on the, the preview episode when we were kind of talking about how we thought SEC Media Days might go. I thought we'd see a looser version of Felipe Franks. I think he's been that guy really since um, at least at least spring, if not the end of last season. Um, and I think I think part of that is he's had some success now. He's tasted the positive aspects of what happens when you're winning. Um, but, yeah, he, he was exactly what we saw this spring. He was just a looser, more confident fun guy uh, like interviewing Felipe Franks when he was a redshirt freshman at Florida was not a fun experience as a journalist it just wasn't he was combative uh, you know it was like everything was a test like we were trying to trick him or something like that um, you know when you're just even asking him about how he performed in a game and I've not gotten the sense from Felipe Franks at all that he views it the same way anymore he he was joking around with the media you know had jokes for Mullen uh, talking about his baseball you know Mullen's talking about how he's he would be afraid to step in the batter's box because Felipe's accuracy needs a little work. And Felipe kind of threw it right back at him. He said, no, nah, he's just afraid to strike out. Um, so you're, you're seeing what we saw, I think, in the spring, and that's certainly a good spot to be if you're Florida. Uh, I think that the other thing that was interesting was uh, LaMichael Pirine touched on this, and I haven't actually written about it yet, but we will in the next couple of days on Swamp247.com. The, the biggest difference he sees in Felipe Franks is that He's a guy that has always tried to lead and, and be a vocal guy that can correct other guys on their mistakes when they're messing up. And you need your quarterback to be that guy. But Pirine said it, it, basically that it just didn't have the umph behind it before because guys weren't sure that Felipe Franks could get the job done. And now they feel like he's the guy that can get it done. And so the reactions are much more positive. They're much more favorable when Felipe is doing what a quarterback should do and lead. And I think that's something that's really interesting because you never got that sense. At least I didn't get that sense that he was a guy that players would want to listen to back in 2017 when he was, you know, getting his first turn as the starting quarterback. Uh, Thomas, you wrote two really interesting pieces on Swamp247.com today, and that's talking about how Florida is waiting on NCA paperwork from two signees and R.J. Henderson and Deontay Marks. We talked about them also on on the uh, preview show podcast. We feel that it's expected for them to be here in the fall. It also led to another story you wrote that Mullen's approach for recruiting could include more junior college prospects, and that's something he showed at Mississippi State. He was recruited really heavily mm -hmm. in the JUCO um, ranks. Not something necessarily Florida has done over the last years. I think you mentioned that they I think they've signed like 11 in a, in a certain span of yeah. time. I guess, do you see that working out for Florida? Because it does seem like that's kind of part of Mullen's recruiting fingerprint. Well, I don't know. And I'd be, I'd be thrilled to get your take on this as well because you, you're you know more in touch with the recruiting scene. I think from a general standpoint, for me, it's more just not knowing. Um, you know, Florida's taken so few JUCO guys. There's never there's never been a point where I've been around Florida where they've really relied on that, you know, to get a good chunk of the class through the JUCO ranks. So I don't know. I think off the cuff, I think when you're at a place like Mississippi State, um, there's a lot of community colleges and junior colleges in Mississippi. Um, so I think it's easier to pull guys from there because you're close. You know, you're you're able to get them around your program a lot more than maybe getting those same guys to a place like Gainesville. You know, Kansas is another state where, you know, the programs in Kansas have always made it a point to recruit a lot of JUCO guys um, because they have that close proximity and it's easier to pull guys. 
I don't know that it's going to be easy to do that at Florida. Um, what, I mean, what's your sense on that? I mean, is it is that an overblown concern? You know, I, I don't know that it's an overblown concern, but I think it's something that we're going to see maybe not as heavily as things were at Mississippi State because there are stipulations and Florida's compliance and the way their academics work. I mean, it's tough. You have to have certain co- right. gra- grades. You have to have certain requirements. I think where you can see it kind of become a part of Florida is – where you have a guy like Dewan Black or Diavi Hammond, the two guys who didn't qualify for the 2019 class this year, to where they were committed to you at one point. Likely the relationships are built there, and it's someone if they continue to do what they need to do in the classroom and work on requirements they need and, and have whatever they need to have done, I think it's somewhere where Florida is going to likely place these kids at a JUCO where they have mm-hmm. connections to coaches. And I, I think that those will kind of pay off. I think that that's necessarily what we see is where Florida – kind of through those relationships of those JUCO college uh, coaches that he's built with at Mississippi State. I think that you're going to have – wherever those guys end up, I know uh, Dewan is at Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I don't know that Diavi has put out where he's at yet. I, I haven't looked off the top of my right. head at, at least. But I think it's going to be likely somewhere where Florida – or a coach somewhere on the staff has a relationship. So I think that that's probably where we see kind of things going. Maybe some of these guys that don't qualify or whatnot. But it also brings the question, should Florida take a flyer on some of these guys that are you know could qualify, could not? So I, I think that that's something that – will need to be discussed as a staff going forward. And, you know, maybe it was their first recruiting class, so you kind of learn where yeah. you're at, you're, you're get your bearings straight. So, you know, I'm not really sure either if it's going to be a part of it, but, but I can see if it is that that situation of having those relationships, previous guys committed and putting them somewhere where you're comfortable. Well, and that's the thing. I think we, we we can't possibly know yet because, you know, Dan Mullins, he's only going into his second season. Sure. And so, you know, if they were doing if, – if, you know, the the Dewan Black and Diavi Hemerson – um, sorry, I butchered that <laughs> Hammond. If, uh, you know, if, if that is the norm and what they're planning and legitimately planned for that from the start that, you know, Dan Mullen said, we, we had a pretty good idea on the academic non-qualifiers that they weren't getting in. Um, if your plan is to sign them, you know, out of high school and then sign in place and it ends up working out, well, two years down the road, those guys are going to be back in your class. Sure. But we don't have that backlog yet because, you know, they couldn't possibly have done that. They were at Mississippi State before. Right. Um, so I think when you, you're taking elite guys like that, like, uh, you know, most, from what I understand, most people consider Dewan Black a pretty elite At one prospect. point, he was a, a cusp five-star guy. Right. So I think if you're taking guys like that, that, one, I think there's a positive in that you do have less competition for those guys in recruiting. Um, and so if you have a staff that maybe isn't quite as cutthroat or has have as many bulldogs on the staff, that is one way where you can get elite talent you're just, it's more of a long game, you know? And I think if Florida does that and shows over time that they can get two to three of those types each year, it's just going to take two years longer and they're showing up two years down the road. That's fine. That can actually work out, I think, really well. And you can patch some holes on your roster like that. Um, I don't think you want to go down a route where you're taking those kind of risks on players that are not worth the trade off. You know, some of the lower ranked guys that um, may not be able to be an elite talent like that. Um, so it'll be really interesting to follow. You know, I, I was I was encouraged that the question to Dan Mullen came right after why even take those guys in the first place if you know you're not gonna you know if you know you're not they're not gonna get in because that's I mean to me that's the that's the immediate question that comes to my mind why even take those guys why not just take a, a you know a high school guy that you could get in your system and and work to develop for four to five years. And I think the answer to that is they can get some elite talent that maybe they wouldn't um, 
you know, that they wouldn't otherwise. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I, I do think that the 2019 class in some ways is a little weird. I mean, you're not going to have in most years a situation right. where your quarterback gets involved in title nine issue and transfers out and right. also there are a lot of another into the defections that happened to that class. Sure. Right. Right. Some, right. Of those, so, some of those, you know, you, you didn't have an idea that those things were going to happen. You could have an idea that someone may or may not qualify. So sure. I understand there. Right. So I, I hate to put too much emphasis on this one class. Like I said, we just don't know yet how it's going to pan out, but I do think that Dan Mullen made it pretty clear that that's a route they're going to consider. I mean, he point, he straight up said, um, I've had a lot of success with junior college guys in the past, and I think there's a lot of merit to that. The question is, you know, how well will that translate to Florida? Um, so we'll, we'll have to find that out, and I know you and Luke will, will obviously cover that extensively as, as things unfold on the recruiting front. Yeah, I can't wait to follow all the JUCO guys. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Thomas, one thing that we have talked about a couple times through po- podcast off and on is that it's not been a very fun off season for Florida. At times, you know, you land your commitments. There have been ups, but there have been a lot of downs also. That being said, how did Mullen or how did you think that Mullen kind of handled that at SEC Media Day? Because I'm sure there were a lot of questions. Yeah, there were. Um, you know, I think the roster number in terms of scholarship players is a big question mark right now. Uh, we have UF at 78 guys, and I believe that was before. Uh, one just transferred out, a former walk-on that turned scholarship guy. So they're pretty shy of the the 85-man limit, and generally that's not a good thing in terms of depth. Um, I think part of it, and this is kind of where Mullen took the question, was that they're all still getting used to the transfer portal, um, that there's been a lot more transfers maybe than you would anticipate because the thing's so new and players don't really know what they're getting into. They don't really fully understand how the initial counters work and how they, you know, just because they want to transfer to a school that maybe even is interested in them, that doesn't necessarily mean that school can take them. Um, But I thought he handled it pretty well. Um, I would say, you know, my impression was that it was a very positive, fun day for Florida, which, you know, it could have gotten testy given some of the, you know, the stuff that's been out there, the guys that have already left, you know, potential um, talk on Twitter of, you know, maybe suspensions for game one, that kind of thing. Uh, I thought Mullen handled it pretty well. I thought they, for the most part, kept the focus on the positives. Um, 
you know, uh, I'm sure there will be more to come. You know, I'm, I'm sure Florida's not entirely out of the woods in terms of off-season news. I mean, it, look, every season opener since I've been around, Florida's had guys suspended. So I would be floored if there aren't more coming. Um, but I think the focus was really on how do we get to that 11th win? How do we put ourselves into the, you know, the playoff hunt, the, the SEC East picture? And I, I thought, you know, I wouldn't say Dan Mullen was evasive, but it was clear he was kind of sidestepping some of those questions, which is fine. I mean, it's SEC media days. You're expected to kind of do that thing. And, you know, the the results, I guess, we'll kind of find out, you know, on the field. One of the guys, at least from a media-type standpoint, that we had talked about, it was a little bit of a question mark, was Jabbar Zaniga. He's just not a guy mm-hmm. who is around the UF media a lot. Um, how did he do? You know, what was uh, what was it like getting to talk with him? Uh, you know, I think he did pretty well. Um, I actually was not around him uh, or have not really listened to much of what he had to say. I focus mostly on Franks and Pirine. Um, but from from everything I've gathered, it, it sounds like he was pretty – Pretty good. I mean, the, I saw a bunch of national guys. I know uh, Pat Forty really praised uh, Felipe Franks in particular as being one of the guys that was very accessible, very open, very interesting as a personality. Um, but really, all three of Florida's guys were praised by by the media that was there and stuff. Um, I, I think that they handled themselves well. And uh, I think Zaniga in particular, it's going to be interesting to see how he does this season because it, it was clear that he is he's hungry. I mean, he didn't come back for nothing. Um, so he, he's a guy I think that Florida fans definitely need to circle and kind of keep their eyes on when, when the defense is on the field this year. One guy who uh, was also there in, in Alabama that said that UF fans can be a little bipolar, uh, running back LaMichael Pirine. I guess was that something that's going to get fans riled up, or was it something that's maybe taken out of context? I guess kind of talk a little bit about that. No, I don't think so, and, and it was funny. The, the question that was asked to Pirine was, do you think it's weird how – um, how like excited and obsessed over little things like locker room upgrades, you know, because Florida obviously debuted their, their locker room renovation today, just before, uh, you know, the players and Dan Mullen headed off to media days. Uh, do, you know, he was asked, do you, do you think it's weird that fans kind of obsess over little stuff like that in jerseys? And he was like, no, no, man, like fans are crazy, man. They get so up and, and high over our wins, but then they get so down on us and start bashing us when we lose. Um, it, that's not a new thing, you know. I mean, it's it's new in the sense that it's so open and accessible, Twitter and Instagram and all that. Um, but it's something that I think Florida's been dealing with. I mean, Felipe Franks, that I would say that was his number one problem was he was just stressing so much over all that stuff that he let the negativity get to him. So I, I don't think Pirine necessarily, you know, people look at the word bipolar and and people are gonna freak out and be like, oh, you can't call our fan base that. But I mean, it's not a terribly inaccurate description, is it? No, I think that's every college football fan base in the world. Right, right. And so I think the bigger I think the bigger point he was making was, you know, just that's how it is. And, you know, I don't know that I don't know that fans sometimes realize how much that stuff does trickle down to the players. I mean, you know, th- these guys are dealing with a lot. Um, I, I just to me, I tie it more into, you know, how you how UF deals with that. And I think it's it shouldn't really be a big concern. Like I don't, I never took it as like a, you know, another version of it's us against the fan base, uh, which is really what it felt like under Jim McElwain. You know, I, I felt like from the start, it was very much, uh, us against the fans. And, um, I, I don't get that sense from a guy like P Ryan or, or really, you know, even at this point, I don't think even Felipe Franks is in that headspace. Cause I think Dan Mullen's done a good job of basically saying, Hey, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, so what if, if these guys are critiquing your quarterback play on Twitter? Like, do they know more than Brian Johnson? 
Because if they do, I'll hire him. Like, he jokes with Felipe Franks about that. And so I think players are getting that sense that, like, yeah, it's out there and it sucks sometimes. And it's never fun to read about your name and have fans bashing you on social media. But at the same time, you, you can choose to completely ignore that. And, yeah, the headline, the bipolar thing, that's going to get clicks. You know, fan, fans will talk about that. And I'm sure some fans will get upset that he said it. But I don't think it was from, like, a you know, a place of ill will or anything like that. I think it's just, you know, he's just Michael Pirine is going to speak his mind, you know. You mentioned before that he's very genuine in how he talks. And I guess mm-hmm. how is that getting that, that really down-to-earth type of uh, feel from him and how he treats media day? Yeah, well, I mean, he's great. He's always been one of those guys that interacts, I think, with the fans as, as well as anyone. You know, he's the guy that you see as he's going into the tunnel, and, and it'll take him 15 minutes to walk 10 feet in the tunnel because he's signing everything and, um, you know, taking pictures with the fans. And not every player's like that. I think he's one of the, the best in terms of that stuff. And like you said, just being a real guy, I think it was funny. Um, you know, he was he was being asked about his recruitment, and obviously he got offered at the last minute by Alabama. And Nick Saban was the one that personally gave him the phone call. The reporter naturally goes, wait, nobody tells Nick Saban no. And he goes, well, Michael Pirine does. <laughs> I thought that was great, man. Like it was, you know, that that's who he is. And I think it's going to be awesome for Florida fans this year to really get to know him a little more now that he's kind of the guy in the backfield uh, because he he's an awesome personality. And there's only so many of those in college football. I mean, a lot of the guys are fairly bland or just, you know, that's not their thing. They don't, they don't love those kind of interactions. And I, I think Pirine really enjoys it legitimately and, um, you know, he was a pretty, pretty colorful guy today. The real question that I really want to ask, it's been on my mind all day. Dan Mullen shoes his customized Jordan, uh, shoes. Were they, were they cool in person? They were looking a little weird on TV. I, I don't know, man. I'm not the shoe guy. I, ha- I have, I will never understand the kick game and how much money people spend on shoes. So you, you're asking the wrong guy, dude. Need to get Brad Crawford in here. Drop that's, his, that's his knowledge one, on that. That's the I shoe like how- game, man. Yeah, I like how whenever we get a, a Dan Mullen a new shoe picture or something like that, we all we're all texting Brad Crawford. Hey, Brad, uh, we know nothing about this. Like, uh, why don't you write a story on it, bud? Yeah, and he will. He did, and we're thankful for it. Yeah, Thomas. Anything else that happened today at SEC Media Day? I don't know how much. Obviously, you were very busy. I don't know if you got to check in on any other coaches or, or any other guys that were there. A- any other thing interesting of note that maybe were kind of behind the scenes since you were there in the trenches? No, I, I just think um, you know, for me, it's it's cool. Um, this is one of those we, we talked about a little already on the last podcast, but this is a weird year because usually you have that two weeks in between, uh, you know, media day, or two and a half, even two weeks between media days and the start of fall camp. And we don't have that this year, man. We're, we're getting cranked up real fast. Uh, Friday Night Lights is just around the corner. Florida will report and practice on the same day. So, um, you know, we're a week and a half away, basically, from the start of fall camp. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. That's it, man. It was a jam-packed day for you out in SEC Media Day. Uh, we're looking forward to the build-up of the season. We're looking forward to Friday Night Lights. Uh, give us a subscribe on iTunes Podcast. We're also on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're basically on every podcast medium there is out there. Drop us a review. Something nice, please. Nothing too bad. Uh, and we'll be back at uh, with another one.